This is Cinema Degeneration. Okay, let's run. This is a snakeskin jacket. And for me, it's a symbol of my individuality and my belief in personal freedom. I just got 50 cars for you in one night. All right, I'm a little tired, a little wired, and I think I deserve a little appreciation. That's one way of looking at it. The other is you get to keep 75% and not go to prison for the rest of your life. <laughs> hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beat until you pissed blood? I never just rode before gunfire. Yeah, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, do you have Y, Z? That's all you have to do. No one! 
Alrighty, folks, welcome to Cinema Degeneration, and we have the pilot episode of a whole brand new show that we're bringing to you, and we're quite excited about. I know my co-host is excited. Uh, I've been excited. I've been uh, developing this idea for this show for several months now, but this is called Brilliantly Insane, The Age of Cage, a complete appreciation show dedicated to the films of Nicolas Cage, who I think is... Uh, the, the premier actor of our, our our generation, and as far as I'm concerned, he is the greatest li- living actor that we have out there. And a lot of people will probably disagree with that, but then again, that doesn't matter because they're they're probably not here listening right now. <laughs> and I'd like to officially welcome my first co-host for, for this show, Derek Worley. How are we doing? Doing all right. Glad to be here. Yeah, and to think that we. We did, or I, you know, kind of came up with the idea for this show when we had first met on the yeah, set of yeah. Cruel Summer, and we had kind of talked briefly about it, you, me, and uh, Elijah Light. So it's taken a, what, a good six months to kind of get this one launching off, off, off the ground. But it was just kind of, you know, I was, I was having trouble thinking of a way to, to, to launch it, and to where to have that stepping off point. And when I saw the trailer for prisoners of the ghost land and realized that was releasing here in a couple weeks. I'm like, this is, this is the way to do it. Uh, just absolutely, uh, amazing. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save that review for the end, but you know, we got, we got so much, so much, uh, to, to cover here. So much, uh, many films so many ideas so many theologies because uh-huh. he's a very f- philosophical gentleman um but i gotta i gotta ask the well, first question is do you remember what was the first nicholas cage movie you ever saw you know that was that was something i had to put a lot i mean a lot of thought into because i i've been watching movies my whole life um but i i feel like um the first movie i really remember seeing him in was con air um i'm sure it was a scenario where my dad was watching it on tv or something and uh i just kind of plopped down and started watching it with him but i believe con air was uh the first one that i very vividly remember seeing uh nick cage in and and to this day is actually still one of my favorites it's, it's probably one of my favorite like action movies that he's done because you got kind of the action era of, of Nick Cage, you got the oh, yeah. eccentric era, you got the subdued era. You got he's he's very multifaceted. But the first movie I saw, I saw at a very young age. I was about eight or nine. I was about eight or nine years old, and uh, my 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 grandmother, all people, had rented a movie called Birdie. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, you know, it came out in 84. So, God, I would have been like eight or nine years old. And it's, you know, uh, if you've never seen it, it's a movie about two friends returning home from the Vietnam War. One, both very scarred and very mentally unstable after the after the war, you know, and it's a very, very quirky movie, very, very sad movie, you know, but uh I remember not liking it as a kid. You know, you see a movie like that about, you know, Vietnam vets and stuff like that at the age of eight. I think 99% of it goes over your head. But it's one of those movies that I've grown to appreciate uh, so much more uh, over the years. But, yeah, first movie was Birdie. Uh, Him and Matthew Modine were very good in it. And, you know, directed by Alan Parker, who is a legendary director. You know, uh, I think this was Nicolas Cage's. God, it might have been third, maybe fourth movie. 
So to, you know, kind of, I think very, it was very early on. I actually have his filmography pulled up right now. And uh, it was right after, uh, right after the Cotton Club, which I actually just saw fairly recently. And I had no idea he was in it and uh, ended up really liking that. But uh, yeah, Birdie, I have not seen. So I'm going to have to add that to the list to check out. Yeah, it's a very sad film. I don't want to ruin about what 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 it's really about, you know, and 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 spoil too much of it if you haven't seen it. But it's a yeah, amazing film. But I I think the point where I became a true fan of Nicolas Cage and his work was when I saw Wild at Heart. Oh yeah, that's a great movie. And I mean, Nicolas Cage, David Lynch, enough said. <laughs> I think it's when I oh, yeah. fully realized the brilliant insanity that uh, would be known as Cage Rage. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a shame. I, 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 you know, I mean, he's worked with very many proli- prolific directors: Alan Parker, uh, David Lynch, John Woo, amongst others. You know, and Jerry Bruckheimer. I, I mean. But it's just a shame that he never worked with David Lynch again. I I felt like they were a match made in like heaven and hell. <laughs> oh yeah, it would have been cool to see Nick Cage make some kind of appearance in uh in like Twin Peaks or something really off the wall where his uh his, some of his craziness would you know be right at home. Um, would be fun to see something along those lines because I I feel like he has done some like weird movies that aren't you know, Lynch related, i.e., you know, Color Out of Space or um, Mandy and things like that. But to see him in something uh, Lynch related would be a lot of fun, to, especially, you know, now. But yeah, uh, to see him yeah. in something like Mulholland Falls or, or Lost Highway would have been like, oh, man. just off the hook. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, now, uh, do you? you know, he... okay. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, did you, you, now when uh, you saw Con Air, was that when you immediately became a fan, or do you remember like when you like realized his kind of genius and like and became a Cage so, fan? It, it, it was a couple different movies actually, because it's like when I was a kid growing up, I it, this is going to make me sound really silly. I didn't fully like appreciate. Oh, this actor's in this and this. I just watched movies and I knew what I liked. And I knew what I didn't like. Um, And so Nick Cage, believe it or not, was one of the first actors, aside from like Jeff Goldblum, where I recognized, oh, this person's in both these. I like both these movies. I I think I like what he's doing. And um, for me, Con Air was definitely one of them. This day, and even back when I first saw it, I hated his accent in that because it just feels so phony. But it's also it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of charming too. Like it, it, it makes it. It's fun, charming, but, but uh, it is a little put on, isn't it? But I liked him, and that say the the other two that I or the other two or three that I saw over the years, uh, Face Off, which I also really like John Travolta. So having them together, I think they they were really great together. Um, Gone in sixty seconds and oh, yeah. uh, National Treasure. Which, that's a real wide range there. Uh, Con Air and uh, Facebook both came out the same year. Gone in 60 Seconds which came out, like, what, 2000, 2001? Uh, yeah. 2000. And then National Treasure came out a couple years after that. But, but yeah, it, it, it was like, you know, this stretch. Because I was always trying to consume so many different movies and so many different genres, mainly horror, that... 
you know, I, I didn't see a lot of movies as they came out. Plus, I wasn't, like, old enough to go to the theater to, like, see Gone in 60 Seconds because that was 2000. So I was, you know, six or seven at the time, depending on I when keep forgetting how much yeah, younger you are than me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you know, because I was just a kid. But National Treasure, I went with some friends to see that in the theater, and I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, those, all those movies, because, I mean, I feel like they're all fairly different. Because I feel like Con Air, Face Off, and Gone in 60 Seconds are all very, like, kind of more adult, you know, action-oriented movie. Whereas National Treasure is a little bit more family-friendly. And yeah, it's a little stylistically, more PG-13. Yeah, stylistically, they're all very different, and, you know, but, and he plays kind of different characters in each one. I mean, it's, it's kind of shows his range, and I think that was something that I recognized, uh, but it wasn't something that I would appreciate until, like, way later in life, specifically, like, the last 10 years, which is probably what's really pushed me to become a really, really big fan, Um but yeah, I mean, those are all movies that, you know, I, I, I still watch pretty regularly today, mainly Face Off and Con Air. Now, uh, that brings me to the next question. Would I be correct in assuming that your favorite film still of his is Con Air? It is in my, okay, I made a list. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> I, I made a list of my seven favorite uh, Nick Cage movies, which seems like a lot, but they're also very, um, very different. Uh, but Con Air is definitely on that list. And I, I don't know what it is about Con Air, and I think it could be Nick Cage is fantastic. I mean, obviously, he's the center of the film. Watching his hair blow in the wind is like, <laughs> that's one of the got best magnificent hair. It's so good. Uh, I, I would be lying if I said that wasn't partial reason I decided to grow my hair out. But um, I, I think that movie has an all-star cast. That movie has an incredible cast. And I think everyone just works so well together in that movie. The music is great. The acting's fantastic. The story's a little bit goofy, but it's it's fun enough to watch. And it's well, it's you know, definitely a, it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's a good movie, and I just I really enjoy watching it. And it's uh, yeah, like I said, as goofy as his uh, accent is in it, it, it's still I think one of my uh, favorite movies that I've seen him in. I think one of the uh, favorite things I've seen him in is uh, that that doesn't get really enough uh, recognition because it's just him going completely bonkers is uh, Bad Lieutenant Portocol, New Orleans. I think that's mm-hmm. the period where he was just like, you know, I'm kind of done making these big budget, you know, studio pictures. And he's like, I'm going to take a chance and just make what I love now. Uh, it's, it's it's my favorite like most like underrated movie of his um, mm-hmm. that and another one that that I really 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 like that got kind of uh, the shaft when it came out in '93 because I think it got a very limited theatrical release uh, and then got dumped straight to video pretty much was Red Rock mm-hmm. West mm-hmm. and Red Rock West is just if you've never seen it it's a good kind of new age film noir th- thriller is directed by John Dahl who did uh Kill Me Again and uh okay yeah and, and he directed oh, stuff has like Dennis Hopper in it wow yeah, and Dennis Hopper that's another one I haven't seen yeah JT Walsh is really good in it uh Laura Flynn Boyle is really good in it it's just a it's a really good like a low-key kind of southern fried I guess you could say film noir thriller 
But uh, yeah, my favorite film, I guess, really, it, it's out of his new newest uh, works. It's it's really it's got to be Mandy. Uh, yeah. It's directed by Panos Cosmatos. I mean, it's it's the ultimate in, in insanity, and not just like because of Nicolas Cage. I mean, yeah, he play he, he is the central character, much like in Con Air, you know, and he's the center of attention as Red Miller. But it's beautifully directed, an amazing soundtrack, great supporting cast. It's just uh, you know, it's with a guy like Panos, it's. Uh, you know, he only directs a movie about once every seven or eight years, and you can tell the amount of painstaking detail and love that he puts into it. It's expertly crafted, oh, and pretty much everything I want to see in a movie. You know, I, it's I just, agree. Mandy's high on my list as well. Um, it, and, and you totally hit the nail on the head with the insanity because I feel like Nick Cage. They were just like, dude, have at it. You know, and sorry, drink of water there, um, but. It's not just him. It's all, all of the characters in the movie. It's just like the 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 subject matter, uh, the visuals. I mean, everything about that movie is just totally off the wall bonkers, and it just kind of leaves you like, what what did I even just watch? But Nick Cage, you know, people give him a lot of crap for how over the top he is, but it's like I feel like his over the top nature fits so well in that movie and it doesn't feel out of place at all and it just it, it just feels like he is in his element and it's it, it it's borderline terrifying but it's it's you can't take yeah, when, when he has the breakdown scene with that one oh, long yeah. take when he's just he goes from crying to screaming to you know to having a full breakdown and just drinking straight from the bottle pouring the the the, the vodka all over uh -huh. his wounds it, it's so painful to watch. It's almost uncomfortable. Yeah, and but it's like when you look at what he just went through, it's like, yeah, I get it. It, it makes sense because I would probably be reacting the same if I just experienced what you did. Like, right, cow. right. And to think, we almost didn't get that movie. We almost didn't get the movie in the way that it was uh, portrayed because they wanted, uh, originally wanted Nicolas Cage to play Jeremiah Sands in that movie. Which I think he would have done great, but seeing him as the hero, I, 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 I'm glad that we ended up getting him in, in the lead as, as Red Miller because yeah, I, I feel like that was like just perfect for him. Yeah, and we owe that to Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood set up a meeting with them with Panos and, and Nicolas Cage about a year after they had originally met and didn't quite see eye to eye on how they, you know, what role they wanted to play and how they wanted to play it. And the movie was kind of in limbo and he set up a meeting with them together. And so thanks to Elijah Wood, we got uh, Mandy in the way that we, the, you know, the way that we have it. And so mm -hmm. thank you, Mr. Wood. Appreciate it. Thank you for giving us a brilliant Elijah fucking Wood. film. He he's a beast, man, and and I know this is all Nick Cage talk here, but but Elijah Wood, I mean, as a producer, the dude has an eye, you know, and he and he does a lot of horror and he does a lot of like independent stuff, and I I, I seriously I can't thank him enough for making that call and you know and, and arranging that to be done in such a way because I, truly Mandy is probably my favorite Nick Cage movie, but also one of my favorite movies ever. Um, oh yeah. Without because a I, doubt, I, like I said, it's just it, it is just a perfect storm 
of so many different elements. And it's just, it, it, it is the movie that I myself would make if I was on LSD. So, you know, it's just, <laughs> it, it, it's everything I've ever wanted in a movie, you know, and it's, it's just so good. But um, were there any other standout movies that you think are among your favorites? Oh gosh, there's so many. I have several written down here. <laughs> Face Off is is another big one. I am a huge John Woo fan, also a huge uh, John Travolta fan. So that was like the perfect three way marriage of, of of characters there. You know, oh, yeah. um, I still think Face Off is uh, John Woo's greatest um, American film that he did. You know, uh, The Killer is still his, his best film, but you know, again, this is not John Woo we're talking about, but. You know, it, again, an amazing director. I think that it's worked very well with uh, with Cage. Um, you know, I really lack uh, lack or really like adaptation. You know, mm -hmm. not very often do you get a, uh, an actor who can pull off playing two different characters in the same movie. Yeah. So I think those those three, Mandy, uh, and that I really do. I, I really like Red Rock West. It's a really underrated mm -hmm. and understated film that. I, I always try to tell any time I'm talking to somebody about Nicolas Cage, I try to recommend it because it's almost always they're like, never heard of that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's one I had not heard of. So I'm like actually super excited to uh, check it out. I think what I would admire most about Nicolas Cage is this, his approach to the art. You know, mm -hmm. you listen to any kind of interview with him or any kind of inside the actor studio behind the scenes type stuff. He's amazingly knowledgeable about film and you can tell that he's a genuine fan of film you know because he's always mentioning the films that he's trying to emulate or actors you know german impressionistic type films or even you know slasher films you know that's films that he likes and he admires and things that because everybody as an artist picks little things that they kind of borrow from that that, that helps mold them you know yeah. and and yeah, uh, I just love listening. I, this listening to the man, you know, talk about the art and the uh, absolute respect that he has for it. That's what it gets me kind of, kind of grinds my gears, so to speak, when people are just like, "Oh, he's just a hack," and I'm just like, "Like, oh man, like you're you're just kind of missing the point here," you know? Like, I get, I'm not yeah. going to call certain actors out that I actually have heard call him a hack. You know, it's just like. What, and what have you done? <laughs> you know, what, what what have you done this week? Absolutely, you know, and I, in in just he has amazing range, truly, and he, he's played so many different characters. But he, I feel like he always brings something to the table for each. Like obviously, he has like his niche, like I guess approach and the way he acts. Like you know, you can always expect him to get a little wacky and wild, but. Man, if you look at the career he's had from the 80s all the way up till now, and just the wide variety of stuff he's been in from, like, you know, I don't want to say low-budget independent, because it's not like he's doing, like, micro-budget stuff, but, I mean, from independent films all the way up to huge blockbusters, and, you know, his, his contributions as producer on different movies, which I'll get to a little bit later as into a theory that I have, but... You know, so, some of my personal favorites between Con Air, Mandy, um, I really like Joe, 
which came out in 2013, I believe, more of a drama film. And I thought he was yeah. fantastic in that. Uh, it kind of reminded I, me of Mud. Yes. You know, absolutely. Uh, the same kind I feel of, like that was almost an answer to that in a way, but uh, <laughs> it, it was yeah. fantastic. And it was so different. And any anyone who tells me Nick Cage is a terrible actor, I tell them, go watch Joe and it will totally change your mind. Truly. Um, I really like Drive Angry. I know it's kind of a, you oh. know, goofy, wacky action movie that makes like almost borderline no sense. But I mean, it's one it's of my favorites. Fun. It's one so of my absolute fun. favorites. It's like they threw everything. They just took the grindhouse approach and threw everything, including the kitchen sink in. That's one of me yeah. and my wife's like favorite movies. It's like when we want something. I don't want to say. Well, I guess you could just say something mindless, you know, because yeah. it's just, it's a totally cheesy popcorn movie, but it's so fucking entertaining, thrilling. It is, and, and he's great at. It. I mean, really, he is. Oh, he's chewing um, up that scenery, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I really like the color out of space. You know, I as much as H.P. Lovecraft was kind of a piece of crap, I love his, I uh, love his works. Um, and I love seeing different adaptations of his works. I thought The Color Out of Space was a lot of fun. Uh, visually very similar to Mandy, but again, it's same producers. Um, so that could be a contribution also as to why visually, um, you know, Prisoners of uh, the Ghostland looks the way it does. Same producers again. Yeah, but, same produce. Yeah, that's a note um, that I had made that, here. I'm like, with the uh, production team, man, they're, they're turning out some really good stuff. And I, I'm loving everything they're doing. It, they're turning out the kind of movies that, like, that literally I, I have been waiting for all my life to see. Oh, absolutely. You know? it's, like, it's like these guys are making the movies that I want to make, and I love seeing it, and it's it's so great. But the other two might be kind of surprising, one of them for sure. Uh, all right, lay it on I, me. <laughs> I, I have Will, Willy's Wonderland. I oh, not surprising it. at all. Fucking, that was my favorite movie of this past year. Favorite. It movie, was so much down. fun. That scene when he kicks the jukebox and it starts playing head, shoulders, knees, and toes, <laughs> and he starts whooping animatronic ass, like, dude, I was in tears. It is so much fun. And he doesn't speak a word in the whole freaking movie. He's yeah. just grunting and gyrating and chugging that energy drink called Punch. And, <laughs> like, it, it, it's crazy. And I was, I was talking to my friend Nathan Milliner recently, and he was like, his, he's in the comment he made, and I couldn't agree more. Is his favorite detail of that movie is the way he changes his shirt every time it gets messy, because he was hired yeah. to do a job. He's there to do the job, and he's taking his breaks like he was told. But also, yes. he gets his shirt messy. He's putting on a new shirt because he's representing that establishment. And he's like so unaffected by everything going around him. Because he's like, I, I have to finish this job. And it's it cracks me up so much. I have and, a fan uh, theory. Oh, I have a fan yeah. theory that the character he plays in that, which is just known as the janitor, and it's a crazy fan theory, and it's really grabbing for, for straws here. I think it's Red Miller from Mandy. I yeah. think that that he that he is so that he was so affected. It's just for me to have an excuse to watch Mandy and Willie's Wonderland on a double feature. Is that Red Miller became somewhat of an ageless being because of that that psychotronic goop that he took a dose of in, in Mandy? Is mm -hmm. that he 
was virtually unaged in the 20 years it takes to get to the present day, you know, because Mandy took place in the 80s. Uh, yeah. It's that that's why he doesn't speak anymore. He's been so psychologically affected by everything that he went through in Mandy that he's now just roaming the countryside, surviving off of energy drinks and killing psych. Uh, psychotronic fucking uh, animatronic robots. That's a fun theory. I, I actually really like that, and it would totally work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I think most fan th- theories, like even my own, are just bullshit, but it's a fun one. It's it's a fun fan theory. They're fun to think about, and it's fun to draw parallels between those movies, I think. You know, I, I personally always love doing that. Uh, I love the fact that he decided to do... in. Uh, the the role as the janitor in Willie's Wonderland is completely silent. The only time you ever really hear him even have a sound is when he's like kicking, you know, animatronic ass. He might, you know, make a grunt or a groan or a sigh, you know, while he's fighting, but never says a fucking word, not one word. I love it. And, and, and you know, it's interesting. He was actually a producer on that movie. So I feel like he probably took a lot of artistic liberties in that. I mean, he always does in his films, I feel. But um, I feel like in this, like, you know, the the not speaking and stuff, you know, I it, it's just I, I feel like he he as a producer on that. And, and I mean, he had to be like, I, I'm going to just have at this. And I feel like the scene with him gyrating and playing the pinball machine and that like it's great. You know, compilation video that they did i feel like he was just like roll the camera i'm just gonna start doing stuff and then did it and it and it works and it's fun and so entertaining i recommend it to people at work all the time i'm like you gotta see this but i love the fact that you mentioned is the fact that he changes his shirt and he does take his breaks like even when the girl shows up and all of a sudden it's break time he just hands her that little knife like you know in in its essence saying here fend for yourself i'll be back in 15 if you're still alive you got this and then he shows up and then like kills the animatronic in like seconds and it's like dude what the hell and even (laughs) his fighting style and the way he kills him is like so similar to, you know the the craziness that Red Miller has when he fights the red uh, the black skulls in Mandy. Yeah. So it's like it, it 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 is a fun theory to think about now that I think about it myself a little bit more. And it's an excuse to watch Mandy and Willie's Wonderland on a double feature. So you know Which, why not great double feature? <laughs> right. Uh, my my other one, and this might be this one will be surprising. I know it will be because ever <laughs> because the movie is a meme, but. I know the what Wicker, you're going to say Wicker here. Man. The Wicker the Wick- Man. Dude, <laughs> that movie is like, I feel like that was like the start of when people are like, oh, Nick Cage is a piece of shit. He's a hack. Because every, everyone hates that movie. But I'm like, how can you not watch this and not have an absolute blast with it? Because he is ridiculous in this. When he is in the bear suit, <laughs> and he runs down that hill and punches that lady in the face. Um, that was so out of left field, and I was not expecting it, that I busted out laughing. And I'm like, I'm not laughing because a lady got punched in the face, but I'm laughing because I'm like, what just happened? Like, it's Nicolas Cage in a bear suit punching, punching somebody. Punching a lady <laughs> for, like, out of the blue, out of no... She wasn't even doing anything. He just runs up and fucking socks her in the face. I'm like, What? <laughs> just happened and of course the the scene with the bees and all that stuff oh. and just him running around being ridiculous i mean it 
it is just a fun movie to watch and just laugh and enjoy. And again, I don't know what inspired him to be like that in that movie, but my God, it's, it is so funny that it's borderline a comedy. It really is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's a fun movie. I watch it every now and again and just, just for fun. It's yeah, it's, it's a great one to, to laugh at. You know, one that I, I have to admit is also a favorite and this may may sound like it's a, a bit of a far left field one for me because I'm not much of a comedy romance, you know, rom-com kind of guy, but honeymoon in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I really like, you know, uh, you know, this, the whole scene with the, the flying Elvises, you know, and the oh, fact that he's, yeah. you know, he's, uh, you know, a, a bad gambler and everything. And I love James Caan. Uh, Jane, Jimmy Kahn is just great. It's 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 a great movie. It's not so much like even a romantic comedy as it is just a straight up comedy. And it's got such a great supporting cast of Pat Morita, Mr. Miyagi is in it. I mean, Peter Boyle is in it. I mean, this has got a great supporting cast. That's another really good one. I could go on and on with my list of that, favorites. That's one I actually need to revisit because it has been a very long time since I've seen it. Yeah, the, the scene towards the end with the flying Elvises is, is, is fucking great. <laughs> yes, that, that's like the, one of the most standout scenes that I remember from it. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I need to go back and rewatch that now. Because I remember, again, uh, really enjoying it, thinking it was a really good one as well. You know, it's it, it just you look at all these different movies and like like I was saying, you know, from the 80s up till now and just look at all the different types of characters he played all the different tones of these movies i mean he he's been in like literally every genre that i can even think of yeah and 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 it seems like he almost does them in cycles like you know, it's like, oh, you know, for these couple years, he did a lot of action, but then he did a lot of drama for these years. And then this year he did a couple family films and, oh, he did some voice work here. And it's like he's he's always changing it up. He's always, you know, he'll do something for a little while, but then he's like, oh, no, we're going to do this for a little while. And he changes it up. And in recent years, I feel like he's just been doing a lot of, hey, I'm just going to play a straight badass in this movie. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> right. And I feel like he's really owning that. And I, I don't He's know embraced he, it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I feel like, and this was a, something I was kind of hinting at earlier that I wanted to bring up now. I okay. feel like he has almost become self-aware where he recognizes that, okay, I, I overdo it a little bit in these movies. But if I'm a producer on this... I, I have a little bit more freedom to do what I want, maybe, or to, you know, have a little bit more say. But it's like, it's almost like he's taking scripts that he's like, yeah, I, I could do this with that. Or people are writing scripts specifically with him in mind playing that type of character. I don't know what it is, but man, it's, um, I, I just feel mm. like he, he's recognizing it. And he's ha- it feels like he's happy. Yeah, I think he's just became self like you use the term self-aware. I think that that's just it. He's become self-aware of that. And he's like, this is my niche. This is what I'm known for. And I might as well fucking capitalize on it. I mean, for why real? not? 
and, and it seems to be doing great for him because he's doing more and more movies like that. Because it's like, for example, Mandy and Willie's Wonderland, the way he is in those films is stereotypically what people think when they think Nick Cage. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like he's, but that's all he's doing at this point over the last 10 years. That's predominantly the type of roles he's taking. And I'm like, I'm kind of here for it because it's like, it's not anymore people are like, oh, you know, he was in this movie and it was garbage. Well, now it's like, yeah, he was in this movie, but it, he fit perfectly for it. You know, I've not seen Pig yet. I really need to see it because I've heard it is absolutely just phenomenal. I mean, it's getting... I'm actually going to be renting it reviews. this weekend. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was going to rent it and watch it before the show, but I did not have time. But I'm going to rent it and plunk down the $7.99 to rent it. And, I'm gonna, and I'll report back. <laughs> Yes, please do, because I'm, I'm real curious. I mean, that obviously, uh, The Prisoners of the Ghost Land, um, you also have the movie where he's playing himself. Uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. That, <laughs> I love just I mean, the fucking title of that. The, and, and you know what's funny is it almost borderline sounds like something he would say, like to describe what he's doing. I, I don't know. I don't think Nick Cage is one of those people that's like full of himself or thinks that he's like, this gift from God or anything, but truly, I mean, I, I, I feel like he's aware that he is talented and he has, you know, a, a skill here. And I mean, I, I just, I don't know what it is. I mean, the dude's a genius. He really is. I think so too. I think he's a, a li- little bit, you know, just like hence the name of the show brilliantly insane. You know, it's, I think he's a, a little bit brilliant and a little bit insane at the same time. And, you know, it's kind of like a like a Jack Kerouac or a Charles Bukowski. There's a li- little bit of genius there, but there's a little bit of insanity at the same time. And you know, it's, it's the best artists ha- have that mixture about them. Oh, absolutely. Now, I got I got do got a crush, question for you here. Um, do you have what you? Uh, I, I think we already touched base on this for a hot second. Do you have what you would consider a dream project or a dream role movie that you would want to see? Out of out of cage, I I have one, but in it, it, and I only have one because I feel like anything I'd want to see him in, I feel like at this point he he's done it. You know, the the character of Red in Mandy, it's like ten years ago. I would have been like, I want to see him just be a badass and like just fight some crazy cult in a heavy metal horror movie, and it's like that's what that is you know and i feel like i i want to see him do more stuff like that you know and i feel like like again i feel like that's pretty much all he's doing right now but it's like i i want more give me more of that because i just can't get enough you know but i really would have given anything to see him as superman in the tim burton superman movie because a the test footage looked pretty wild but i think it also looked really cool but i think nick cage just best based on the things that i know and based on the things that i've read i feel like he is genuinely a big nerd like the dude at one point spent two hundred and seventy six thousand dollars on a t-rex skull that ended up being stolen and he had to give it back to like some you know FBI type place to get it back to where it belongs. <laughs> that sounds but, like a national treasure movie, right? Right there it in and does. of itself. <laughs> it, it, life imitates art, 
And um, but he he seems to be a big comic book fan because I, w- I was reading that he has a huge collection of, or he had maybe still does had a huge comic book collection. And at one point he had a copy of the action comics number one, which was the introduction of Superman. And in the yes. year 2000, it was uh, it along with a bunch of other comics were stolen from his home and they didn't get him back for like what, like between seven and 11 years, something like that. Yeah. And yeah. 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 He got him back, but like, I think he got, he him got back. some of them back, but. And I, it turns out he sold that action comics number one for 2.1 million which at that time was a uh, a record for how much it had been sold for. But I feel like someone's not going to collect that stuff and have it, especially something of that nature, which is one of the, I think the most, if I remember correctly through the CGC, the most valuable comic in history, unless you yeah, are I a huge so. fan. And, and I'm like, dude, the guy's a fan. Clearly let him play Superman. Well, he named his son Kal-El. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, yeah, he's definitely an Uber fan. And, like, yeah. I don't know if you know this, a, a bit of trivia that I found out in studying up on him over the last couple of days preparing for the show. Uh, when his, I knew his his real name is Nicholas Coppola because he is the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola. Yes. But he wanted to set out on his, you know, his own and kind of prove that he can make it on his own without the famous okay. moniker. He named gave himself the last name Cage after Luke Cage. Amazing. So, yeah, and yeah, it, he, it's those little details that makes me like he clearly the dude is a fan of that kind of stuff. Clearly, he's kind of a nerd. I feel like Nick Cage is one of us. I feel like he is a fan of the stuff he's making. I feel like he is a fan of horror movies. He's a fan of hard rock and heavy metal. I feel like he's a fan of comic books and of just nerdy stuff in general. Because it's just like, look at the way he dresses. Look at the stuff he participates in. The things he collects. Uh, the, the things he does. I mean, he bought a haunted mansion so he could write a horror novel. Like, I mean, I want to read that novel, even though I, I know it was too. never finished. Like, I I want to read a novel that that man wrote. <laughs> I, just, I mean, that was and that was the same mansion. Did. That was the same mansion that was featured in uh, the American Horror Story. Yes. They even make a mention of it. Wasn't this bought by the same guy that started in Face Off? And they're like, yes, yes, it was. And he he owned it for quite a few years before he uh, sold it. But yeah, he, that <laughs> it's crazy. I just I I just feel like he just he knows what's up. You know, his son is in a black metal band, and his son looked. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Son, I forget which son it is. It's uh one of them. Um, I mean, obviously, it's one of them. Uh, he has a couple kids. Um, yeah, I think he has two, two children. What, if I think or three, uh, it is because I only know the one by name Kalel, because because that was something I definitely had to make note of. Yes, it it's his son Weston, I believe, uh, has a black metal band. Yeah, because um, there were photos floating around of him with his son. Um, when he was in a band and apparently i mean it was when he was a lot younger like it looks like back when he was in his late teens early 20s but i mean nick cage even made a comment when mandy was made the beast the the battle axe in mandy is formed after the f in the band celtic frost's logo 
Yes, and, and I didn't he, know that. He, he even made a comment about that in an interview stating that he was a fan of the band. And I'm like, dude, that's like a pretty obscure metal band for someone who's not into that to, to be like, yeah, I, I enjoy the music and stuff. Like, that, that's pretty specific, you know? And I mean, I, I most metalheads I know had some level of influence in their life. And I feel like his son, Weston, probably wouldn't have gone off to be in some metal band if he didn't have some level of influence from, you know, Nick Cage. Yeah. I, I became a metalhead because of my dad, you know, and I'm not, I know that's not always the case, but I mean, I can't help but feel there may have been some influence there. And I mean, I'd love to have the opportunity just to ask, ask Nick Cage, like, but dude, like, are you really a metalhead? Like, are you, <laughs> you know, but are, it's, are you uh, one of us? Are you one I know, of I us? became... I became a metalhead uh, listening to Iron Maiden and Judas Priest because of my mother. But the first uh, concert I ever went to was uh, Judas Priest and Cinderella. Uh, so, like, I, and, and I would love, and it's, and I know that it's like, it, it's kind of out of the realm of possibilities to ever, you know, meet him and have that level of conversation because of his stature. But to have a half hour to an hour just to kind of sit down, hang out, and just chill and just chat, you know, about, you know, just, just things we're fans of and just have like yeah. a, it's just a down to earth conversation about, you know, fandoms and, you know, just the stuff we're into and like, you know, I guess just draw parallels and find the stuff we like that are similar, you know, similar interests and things like that. It, it would be cool. And he's not the only celebrity I'd love to do that with. There's plenty. But well, you mentioned I, Jeff Goldblum uh, earlier. Oh, yeah. That's somebody else I would love to just like pick their brain for, you know, like I said, just even given a half an hour to be able to sit and like be oh, on the yeah. level with them. And, and I, I met Jeff Goldblum back in 2018. I drove to Dallas, Texas and met him at a con and it was like, it was super quick. It was super fast. And I mean, like, like they are, I mean, he had a ridiculous line and stuff, but he was so nice and so, so kind. And, uh, you know, when, when I told him that I, uh, that my dad and I had drove from Dayton, Ohio down to Dallas just to meet him. I mean, he was so appreciative. I mean, he shook both our hands and he gave me a hug and, you know, I mean, he was super cool. And, and I just, That's cool. I know, people, I know people who have met Nick Cage and worked with him on set and I've, I've never heard anything bad. I've always heard that he's very eccentric. You know, he, he's kind of quiet into himself and he kind but he he works very closely with the directors and things but i've also heard his first day on set he he has a meeting with the whole cast and crew and he he basically lays it out listen i i'm here to do a job uh i will take photos and shake everyone's hands and chat with everyone when when we're done but while i'm working you know let let let's be professional and stuff so it's like it's like he he's aware that he has fans and people who want to meet him and talk to him and take photos and stuff. And and it's like the fact that he recognizes that, but also has enough respect for himself to be like, listen, give me space while I'm working, but I, w I promise I'll take photos with everyone. I, I mean, that, that says a lot about him 
because I feel like there's a lot of actors that in actresses that would not do that. They'd just straight up be like, oh, no, no pictures, none of this, none of that. Yeah, and no video, well, no pictures, yeah, no Yeah, would, would yeah. be to themselves and would never talk to, you know, the cast and crew or, or anyone else on set. But just the fact that he's like, listen, it's cool, but, like, let, let's get the work done first. I, I think that says a lot about him. Yeah, I, I actually knew some people that had uh, or a person that had met him while on set of Mom and Dad, who okay. had actually struck up a conversation with him when they were having the rap party. So they sat there and talked about the Misfits for almost 15 or 20 minutes. That's amazing. And, and I'm just like, now that's something I'm jealous of. I, you that, know? I've never been more jealous of someone in my life. <laughs> that's like, again, like that. that is literally... What I described of like my 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 dream to do with Nick Cage is sit down, talk music, movies, comics, whatever. But that yeah, yeah. I think yeah. there's a quote here that I used uh, that I put at the top of my my notes here that I think uh, spells out what you can expect in a Nick Cage movie or expect from Nick Cage. Uh, which every performance, and it goes as this, is there's a fine line between the method actor and the schizophrenic. And I think that's true, because to be an actor, you have to have multiple personalities, unless you're a bad actor and you only have one personality, then that, and then you're, you know, that's what that is. Bruce Willis, I'm looking at you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, Bruce. Yeah, didn't mean to pick on you. But yeah, I... There's so many different quotes here that I could I could uh, you know uh, spout off from Nick Cage, but I won't do that. I'm going to save some of them for other shows. Sure. But you know, uh, I think one thing we need to touch base on is the fact that he is a best act or best actor Oscar winner. You know, the, for Leaving Las Vegas, which is a great film, but God, is it hard to watch. It's a, See, it's a, and that's that's one I haven't seen, but I did notice he he has two wins from that because I did want to talk about some of his awards just to kind of shut the haters up because guess what he had an Oscar before Leo did so there it is I given that was way before <laughs> Leo was really you know blowing up but but he has a Golden Globe win and an Oscar win both for that movie yeah and those are nothing to you know nothing to sneeze at you know I mean. Uh, Getting either one of those awards, especially for the be- for, you know for the same role, it's oh, yeah. it's it's a hard movie to watch. I mean, just watching somebody literally, you know, drink themselves to death. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's a, you know having dealt with alcoholism in my family and whatnot. It's a hard movie to watch. It's not a movie that I go back and watch very often. I've seen it twice, and I kind of feel like that's you know, and it's not because the the movie is bad is just because it's just that damn good and it's such a realistic you know betrayal of you know alcoholism and, and you know what it can do to you uh mike figgis was the director i think he you know uh deserves a lot of credit based on the book by john o'brien which i've actually read the book too it's a uh, it's, it's a hard read and, and a hard watch but you know if you want to see something just should be you know acting class 101 Watch Leaving Las Vegas. Not just for him, but Elizabeth Shue is great in it. Julian Sands plays a pimp, which is a different, really kind of role for him. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, usually playing things like the Warlock and whatnot. But, I mean, it's, uh, 
yeah, it's an amazingly crafted film. I figured we had to touch base on that for just a moment because winning a best actor, uh, you know, uh, an Oscar for best actor is no easy feat. It's it's not, and and uh, I, I made note that the most noteworthy uh, major associations he's had nomination and wins through the Academy Awards. You know, he got the Oscar for um, leaving Las Vegas. Then the uh, British Academy Awards, he was nominated for two different films. Um, Golden Globes, he won for leaving Las Vegas, but was nominated for a total of four films. Uh, Then the SAG uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards, he won for leaving Las Vegas as well, but he was nominated for three different awards. But then I was looking at other awards and nominations. It is outrageous the amount of wins and nominations he's had, Blockbuster Entertainment Awards, uh, the Annie Awards, Boston Society of Film, Catalina Film Festival, which he won uh, the Charlie Chaplin Icon Award for Joe, um, the Fangoria Chainsaw Award, Chicago International Film, Chicago Critics, Gold Derby, uh, the Golden Raspberry Awards, which, <laughs> which, again, he was nominated for a bunch of stuff that he never won. So it's like, hey, you know, he gets nominated for Worst Actor, Worst Supporting Actor, but he's not won any of those. Uh, so there's always someone worse. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, London Film Critics, Los Angeles Film Critics, MTV Music or sorry, Movie Awards, National Society, New York film. I mean, it's just it. The list just goes on and on and on. And I remember when Mandy came out. Um, holy crap, he won a ton of shit for Mandy, uh, just at like different film festivals and different. He won several um, awards for that. Oh right? yeah, I mean, just in in the movie itself, won you know several awards. Um, and, and again, it's a movie I recommend to a lot of people. And I know it's a slow burn. It's a two-hour movie, and nothing really happens for the first hour. But it's a lot of buildup to what you see, and, and it's all important. But I tell people all the time, like, just sit through it. It is totally worth it. And, uh, you know, you were talking about dream projects to see him in. I, you know, obviously Superman movie. But, God, God I want to see a sequel to Mandy. I really do. And I, do I know too. it's been talked about. Well, when I heard panels discuss it, it would be the difference between Mad Max and the Road Warrior, and it would go into almost a post-apocalyptic kind of mode. I'm like, I am there for that. I am all, sign me the fuck up. I I mean, anything Panos does, anything that Cage is in, and if it's visually just like that, I mean, my God, it's just... It, it, it's a perfect match. Bring Elijah Wood back as a producer. Hell, put Elijah Wood in it. Like, I don't even care. Like, just give me more of that. Because I, I just can't say it enough. Literally one of my favorite movies ever. It was so good. Yeah, I, I, as I look here, he has been nominated for 70 different awards, 70 nominations with 45 wins. That's, That's- pretty... It's a pretty good average. That's a pretty damn good oh, average. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of actors that people hail as some of the best of all time that don't even have 
that. Yeah, don't have a, a tenth of that. You know, it's just like you said. Everybody like says like how how Leo, you know, and I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I think oh, he's a fine yeah. actor. I'm not saying this to knock him, but people that just overtly kiss his ass and like, oh, he's he put spent so many years of putting in his time and getting nominated and nominated for he won. Yeah, but Nicolas Cage got nominated once and won that shit. Now, granted, yeah. he's never been nominated since. I mean, Leo's kind of got him in that category of being nominated for Oscars, but. You know, it, it is what it is. I think, you know, just certain people, are, you know, you know, are appreciative of that work and certain people are not in, you know, the Academy. I'm looking at you, but uh you know, Leo seems oh, to be the, the golden pony pony boy, you know, and uh, Nicolas Cage seems to be the black sheep of the family. But well, and you, you know, know, and Le- Leo's had uh, over two hundred nominations and over a hundred wins, and you know, I think Leo is a fantastic actor. I do. Oh yeah, and he deserves but, every man, bit of that. He he absolutely does. But there are times where I feel like he he is a one trick pony. He looks the same in almost every movie. He just kind of feels like he acts the same in every movie. Same with, like, I hate to say it, someone like Christian Bale. Again, more nominations, more wins. But I, I'm going to say it. I hate Christian Bale's Batman. I hate him yeah. as Batman so much. Like, I love and the films. People hail that but as, I don't... like, the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, no. Like, the films themselves are, are great. But, like, oh, his oh, performance as Batman is just... Uh... You know, I mean, to be honest, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a complete Michael Keaton guy. Michael Keaton is, you know, he's my Batman. Absolutely. It just goes to show everyone, everyone's tastes are incredibly different. Uh, yeah. You know, like I, like I was saying before we even start recording, there are so many people who just do not like Nick Cage or think he sucks. And I think it's because through the mid-2000s into the early 2010s, I feel like he was taking on a lot of roles. Maybe they were just paychecks for him, and they paid good. Uh, maybe they just weren't good fits. Because you know what? Every every actor we love has been in a movie where we're like, yeah, that just wasn't good. And oh, yeah. You know, it, it, is, it, it is a true fandom, and it is truly loving someone or something if you can admit when it sucks. And I will say, uh, worst movie I have ever seen in my entire life is probably Left Behind with Nick Cage. <laughs> oh yeah because it, when you I, when you decide to remake a kirk cameron uh eccentric uh christian you know <laughs> movie yeah that was that was not a great decision it was I not and even, not a great I, movie i couldn't even finish it it was so bad i could not finish it and that is so rare and uh and yeah like i said love nick cage but god that movie is horrific and it's not even because of him it, it's a lot of different things but well, I feel like Nicolas Cage is always performance guaranteed, even if he's doing a movie for a paycheck. Because let's face it, they're working actors. They're doing it to make a living, you know, yeah. so they're doing it, you know, for the art, but also for the paycheck. You know, he's always guaranteed a good performance, you know, like a movie, really? like a movie, for instance, his that I I, I don't like at all, but I, I still love him in is uh, Next I yeah. thought Next was very convoluted and very just a very uh, paint by numbers kind of movie. It was just like, yeah, you could tell almost everybody and it was, you know, phoning it in. But again, Absolutely. he's performance guaranteed. You know, you can always you, you never know quite what to expect. 
but you know what you're in for if that if I'm making any sense whatsoever. No, absolutely. You know, you always know what you're in for with his movies. You know what you're gonna get with Nick Cage, but I feel like he is still he always surprises. He always delivers. Unpredictable. Uh, but but you know, there's always a surprise in there. Like I said, all those movies I rambled off, like Joe. I kind of knew what I was in for going into that, but I was not expecting that level of a performance and that level of emotion. Whereas same with Mandy, I knew it was going to be wild and crazy. You can tell that from the trailers, but God, the emotion he brings in some of those scenes. I'm like, God, this is like borderline Oscar worthy. Like, good Lord. You know, you know, and a movie like Mandy is never going to, you know, get nominated, let alone win an Oscar, which is also a sad testament to the Academy you know, of ignoring great material. Oh, yeah. They always ignore sci-fi and horror, for the most part, unless it's like a makeup category, uh, in which I I feel like sometimes it gets a little bit of love. Uh, You know, with uh, the Star Trek Into Darkness, I believe, won an Oscar for Best Makeup, and, you know, that being kind of a super sci-fi film. But it's not something independent, you know? It's a remake of a very popular series, so it's... Right. It's not quite something of Mandy stature, which I think is very worthy of winning more um, uh, high profile awards than what it has. I think it deserves all the stuff it did have, and I think it's cool that it won the stuff it did. But man, get, it needs better representation for sure. Now, I, I have to, before we get into Prisoners of the Ghost Land and our expectations yeah. for this and the review of the trailer, I have to make mention of one other film project that he did that I would, uh, that was just a taste. It was just a taste, but was when he played Fu Manchu in the werewolf women of the SS trailer in yes. Grindhouse. <laughs> I want to see Rob Zombie do that movie. I, I know it'll never happen. It's never oh, going to happen. It's not even on anybody's radar, but that is the greatest trailer for the greatest movie. Never, never made. That of all the fake trailers that we got in um, in Grindhouse, I think that was probably my favorite one. Uh, yeah, they were all great. I, I love Thanksgiving. Yeah, very very close behind. Uh, but that one was great, and I and unfortunately, and it's understandable. I get it, but it is unfortunate that with today's you know uh, the way people view certain things, it, it probably would not be very well received. Um, but oh, you know, no. <laughs> it, it, it is a movie that I, I would like to see. And I think on a uh, on a more independent level, like that's not something you're going to see in wide release theaters. But if it was like, you know, even like a Mandy level production or like Prisoners of Ghostland level production uh, independent, I mean, I, I think it could potentially happen. Uh, maybe have Rob Zombie write it and have someone else direct it. I don't know. I don't have the answers for that, but. Yes, yeah, that was such a fun trailer, and uh, he was great in that. So much yeah. fun. Greatest Fu Manchu with that floppy mustache that was oh falling off his face. <laughs> so ridiculous, but so good. Him and that, uh, what was that movie? Um, oh, he was in one recently, uh, like uh, uh, Jiu-Jitsu or something like that. Yeah, Jiu-Jitsu. Oh my gosh. It was... The uh, one that was kind of like a weird Predator remake, but with Jiu-Jitsu in it? It was. It was... Uh, wow, that movie was interesting. I, I didn't hate it, but uh, it was uh, definitely interesting. 
he he it's got to do great, anything great cast i mean you know i mean between having uh frank grillo in it and uh, uh oh yeah tony Shaw. i mean it's really like it's it, it, it's craziness. It, it's it's a little weird. It's a it's a little weird for my for my taste. And I know we're talking about movies like Mandy and Color Out of Space. I feel like uh, some of the levels of it, uh, so to speak, were just odd between the sci-fi and the supernatural. And mm-hmm. it, it was just a little weird. It, but it, it was it was the kind of weird that I dig and that I'm into. You know. Oh, absolutely. I I did enjoy it, but it was. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was just a. It was a little. It was not my kind of weird. Yeah. But it's still, you know, again, Tony Jaa is great in it. Nicolas Cage is, is, is always is great in it. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's, it's a, a nice little sci-fi thriller. But that being said, let's get to the the big kahuna here that we're talking about. Since this uh, episode, um, I have the plan to drop it the day before uh, Prisoners of the Ghost Land releases, which I believe is September 17th. So this episode should drop the 15th or the 16th. Uh, the trailer for this, uh, when I saw it, was, you know, I've been hearing about it for well over a year and a half, almost two years. And all I knew is that it starred Nicolas Cage and Bill fucking Mosley. That's all I needed to know was that those two were in it. That's all I needed to know. But then when I saw that it was directed by Sion Sono, who did a couple of movies that I really liked, Tokyo Vampire Hotel, uh, Suicide Club, I mean, about 50 others. Uh, I ain't got enough time to list them all here. But I was just like, okay, the movie with Nicolas Cage, Bill Mosley, directed by this amazing Japanese director. And I, I, I was in before I even saw frame one of it. But when I saw this trailer... And I'll kind of give my summary first, and I'll let you mm. do it. But it's it's you know it's got Nick Cassavetes in it as well, which you know he starred with in uh, uh, Face Off, and one of my boys, a guy I really like, Tax Sakaguchi, who is in Versus, uh, Crazy Samurai. He's an amazing uh, martial artist. I, after seeing this trailer, I, all I can say is I'm all in. It's a little bit of the old west, a whole lot of post-apocalyptic. Flair, martial arts, gonzo surrealism, some elements thrown in from Escape from New York. I mean, directed by Sion Sono. It's the same studio behind Mandy and Colorado Space. We get Bill Mosley in it as a crazy, you know, mobster type guy that's like, you know, sends Nicolas Cage, you know, to uh, re- retrieve it. I think it was his niece or his daughter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of looks like a demented uh, Colonel Sanders in this movie with the suit. He does. He, I, I'm completely in. I, I I saw this movie, and I, I remember when we were talking about it, you, you had said, you know, this is how you want your movies to look. This is how I want my movies to look as well. Yeah, it, and it has the greatest tag from any movie. It's from, it's from uh, Nicolas Cage himself, as he put it. The, they use the tagline in one of the, the the reviews for it is the wildest movie I've ever made. And if Nicolas Cage is saying that this is the wildest movie he's ever made, I am double down, doubling down all in for this movie. Oh. Like I, I, I'm expecting it to be a 10 out of 10 before I even see it. I will be highly disappointed if it's anything less than a t- 10 out of 10, but I have the utmost of faith that this movie is going to be utterly amazing. So 
Yeah, uh, the, the trailer itself gets a 10 out of 10 for me. We'll see how oh. the movie fares when it actually gets released. I'll, I'll be there first day to either see it in the theater if I can find it or to, to rent it on and, you know, for VOD, you know, first person in line. Absolutely. It's, you know, you, you told me about it. I'd known about it. I finally watched the trailer and I was just like, OK, hold up. Got to have a moment alone to yourself after yeah, seeing a trailer needed- that good. I needed to take a second and I, I've watched it three or four times and I've been showing it to like people who haven't seen it. Uh, you have Nicolas Cage in it, who obviously is great. Bill Mosley's great. Sophia Botella, uh, who, uh, she's amazing. In, she was in the mummy remake. Uh, she was in atomic blonde. She's been in a lot of stuff. That's super awesome. Uh, but also one of my all time favorites, my, my mega celebrity crush, uh, Imogen Poots who is uh, amazing and everything. I love her in Green Room specifically. Um, so it's like, the cast is great. Uh, the poster, when I saw the poster, I was just like, I want this on my wall right now. Um, May I make but, one note about the poster, though? The yes. one thing that bothers me is they misspelled Bill Mosley's name. Did they really? Hold up. Yeah, they, mis- they spelled it as Mosley. They took out the E and they spelled it Bill Mosley. <laughs> I, oh, I, I felt like, no. oh, what How a jet. Mess that up? Oh, God. <laughs> but that being said, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt your flow. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? That makes me want to get uh, a copy of the poster signed by Bill Mosley just for him to be like, look at this. They spelled my name wrong. Um, <laughs> but it, it just. Sons of it, bitches. How could they do this? I was getting, like, like you said, Escape from New York vibes. Um, I was getting like I, I'm a and we've talked a little bit about this in our in our free time. I'm I'm a fan of like Neo Tokyo style anime um, with the way, you know, the futuristic dystopian kind of society kind of, kind of post apocalyptic stuff. I'm getting those vibes out of this. I'm getting old school, you know, samurai kung fu movies. I'm getting Escape from New York. Uh, Hell comes to Frogtown vibes. I mean, all oh, yes, of, all kinds of visually just stunning uh exciting action ridiculous plot and uh elements and it's just it it just again you know this is not only the kind of movie that i want to be seeing how i want the movies i'm watching to look when it comes to a movie that i myself want to direct and make in in the i want someone to watch something i make to feel the way i'm feeling when i'm looking at this you know, just in complete awe and astonishment and just like, I need to see this and I need to see this now. Because I feel like the trailer gives you just enough to paint the picture of what you're going to see, but leaves just enough to do in the imagination that you know you're going to be blown away when you see it because it's going to be just out of control. And I just, I, I can't wait. And the fact that he's like, this is the wildest movie I've ever made. Dude, I, I thought I would have said, you know, Color Out of Space, Willy's Wonderland, Mandy are, like, pretty high up on that list. But uh, that, if this That says something, those, doesn't it? Man, I am, I am here for it. I am incredibly excited for this film. Um, I'm going to find a theater near me that's playing it because I just, I, I got to know. Yeah, I, I, w- I want to experience this in the theater. I know it's getting a limited theatrical release, and hopefully one of the theaters here close to me within decent enough driving distance gets it, because I, I want to experience this in the theater. Yeah. Oh, same. And a bit of trivia about it. The movie the movie was uh, postponed for a year 
because the director had a heart attack while they were filming and they postponed filming for almost a year and Nicolas Cage convinced the producers and had the production moved from Mexico to Japan, uh, Sion Sono's uh, home country, so that he could continue directing the film without having to travel overseas. So I I thought that was a really interesting tidbit, you know, I mean, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he he had the director's, you know, best interests at heart, no pun intended. And I identify with that because having a couple of heart attacks myself and having, you know, heart disease, you know, I was just like, I I appreciate the fact that this guy, you know, he postponed his film for a year, but he continued on and sallied forth and continued, you know, moving forward, making it. For sure. Because it looks uh, bonkers. My God, does it it look bonkers. I just, and and again, I just can't say it enough that just... the the actors involved the 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 studios that put this together have consistently put out good stuff um you know it's xyz uh productions isn't it yeah X, xyz, XYZ film, yeah. I, I was looking at some of the the studios that put it together um it, it it was like a handful like four or five different studios teaming up to put it out but you have XYZ, Eleven Arts, Union Patriot Capital, Patriot Pictures, and Untitled Entertainment. Most notably, XYZ. Uh, they put out uh, both of the Raid movies. Um, the Night Comes for Us. Uh, they do a lot of Netflix movies. I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which was pretty popular. Um, my God, Frankenstein's Army. Oh, uh, I love that movie. Oh, great movie. Dead Snow 2. Um, oh, another great one! Damn the state, the stage fright remake, Life After Beth, uh, Tusk, Spring, Baskin, Yoga Hosers. Uh, I mean, uh, The Void, Brawl on Cell Block Nine Nine, Mom and Dad, I Kill Giants, Mandy, The Apostle, Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, The Prodigy, Color Out of Space, Come to Daddy, which was totally wacky. Is that the uh, Elijah Wood one? Yeah. I, I've seen the trailer for that, yes. That movie is so weird, and I love it. And again, Elijah Wood is one of those people I, I rank pretty high up along with uh, Nick Cage. I I just, I, yeah, I mean, X, XYZ films, I mean, they, they've made some incredible stuff. And, you know, like I said, with, with so many consistently amazing movies, and then having, like I said, the cast the visuals, I, I truly think this movie is going to, it's going to blow up. I think it's going to be a huge hit. And it also has an accompanying uh, comic book that is being released along with the movie now that I'm reading up on the bit of uh, trivia. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, it says I'm it is the third, the, the, the third of three movies in a row that are uh, of his that were released with comic books. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu, Willie's Wonderland, and Prisoners of the Ghostland. So, it looks like I have to buy a couple more comics, you know. Oh, darn. That's, that's crazy. I didn't know that they did uh, comics for Jiu-Jitsu and Willie's Wonderland. That makes me want to kind of try and find those. I was, I, today's, I, I was today years old when yeah, I found I that out. I was when I heard about that. Um, yeah. Really interesting. And, I, I again, I love when there's you know, stuff that goes hand in hand with that. They just announced that the, uh, they're doing the Netflix live action of Cowboy Bebop, which I'm super excited for, but they're doing a comic series to go alongside with that as well. And, uh, that was just announced fairly recently and I'm super excited about that, but that comes um, out next month, doesn't it? 
Cowboy Bebop uh, or, the, or the month after? I, is November? Uh, late October, early November, somewhere in there. Mm. I mean, right now we are getting just incredible media, you know, wh- whether it's Prisoner's Ghost Land, um, the new Resident Evil movie, which just released some stuff, um, and uh, the new, um, you know, uh, Cowboy Bebop live, a- uh, live action. And it's just uh, stylistically, all these films just look amazing, and it's just, I, I, it's it's like we're finally getting the the people growing up with movies that were like bad, and like horrible adaptations of things and movies that didn't quite end up being what you wanted them to be, are all now like growing up and making their own movies now. So it's yeah. like you know, it, it, or or they're involved with the making of those films. And uh, they're finally able to be like, hey, no, this is how we need to do it. And I feel like it's just like, yes, finally somebody gets it. Somebody's like, you know, this is how it needs to be made. This is how it needs to look. This is who we have to have in these roles, you know. And and I'm so excited to see someone like Bill Mosley, who has had a really solid career and has gotten to do a lot of big movies. But it seems like he predominantly does a lot of independent stuff doing something with nick cage because i love bill mosley i think he's an incredible actor an incredible talent and to see him doing this with nick cage and having some of the other people involved and having you know such a wide variety of stylistically very different actors involved with this project i i I think it's going to be a really crazy fun mashup of so many different elements because nick cage just has that kind of quiet badass type kind of craziness to him but like bill mosley i feel like is very over the top at times like i mean you look at otis driftwood oh yeah versus like um you know when he plays chop top and you know, <laughs> yeah. too, and it's like the dude can play a total nutcase in a movie and in this like you said he looks like a demented uh, Colonel Sanders or something, and it's just I, I am so excited about this movie. And yeah, I'm, I'm know, excited to see the, them together in a scene and to see who's going to chew up the scenery more, you know, Cage or Mosley. I kind of hope we have a moment as far as like expectations for this film because I, I know we both are on this level. Of, like it's going to be awesome. There's no way it's not. I kind of want to see a scene where they try to like outdo each other. Because Nick Cage trying to do his crazy acting, but I kind of want to see Bill Mosley do the same at the same time and just, like, see them try to out-wacky or out-crazy each other just for one scene. Because I know they can do it, and I know it would be hilarious and amazing. So Uh. if we get that, I would be very, very happy. And even if not, just seeing them together on screen is going to be incredible, but... Oh, it's exciting. Yeah, and, and you know, and just also on a side note, to have Tech Sakaguchi in it, I love him. I am a big fan of his work. Mm-hmm. I one of my favorite movies of all time is Versus. You know, and I really, you know, a lot of people didn't uh, care for it, but I was a fan of that Crazy Samurai, the movie that has the one oh. big, long seventy-seven the, minute. You seen the, that? The one take fight movie. Yeah, that. I, I, okay, so I've seen the trailer for it and I bought it because I saw the trailer and I'm like, well, I need to see this. And I immediately went to Walmart because I was on a film set when it dropped 
And I rushed out to the nearest Walmart and I bought a copy on Blu-ray for that. It was like 12 bucks. And I'm like, oh, and uh, I have not watched it yet, surprisingly, because I just have not. I very rarely have time to like really sit down and watch movies because I'm so busy. But that is uh, one I'm planning to watch within the next week or so, because it was actually brought up recently in a friend group. Someone brought it up and I'm like, man, I still need to watch that. But the trailers, I'm like, okay. So this is like a one take, like, you know, you're uh, 1917. Yeah. But it's like a giant fight scene. And I'm like, how can this not be totally nuts? How can this not be? I mean, some of the action gets to be a little repetitive. It, it, you can tell they were just oh, track, doing the same moves over and over <laughs> again. But like, just to say something about tax physical prowess mm-hmm. to... You know, he, he, you know, a bit of trivia about that. He broke a finger while making it, cracked a couple of ribs, got multiple contusions and and bruises while making it, and still continued, still continued on filming. Holy you can see God. during the fight, you can see there's a point where he keeps shaking his hand every once in a while. You can tell that's probably the hand <laughs> where he's got the broken fingers. Mm-hmm. But it's just like for anybody to be able to pull that off, I'm just like, when is this guy going to stop? Like it, it, there just seemed to be it, no. Oh God, no it, end. It adds to that character, and it adds to like the realism of the movie. But like that, that is dedication right there. I, I I broke my toe on a set recently, and I don't have a cool story for it. I literally tripped on a suitcase. Um, <laughs> that's that's what happened, and I was like, you know, you never realize how much you use your toes when you walk until you break one. But I was like limping around and I had it up constantly. I mean, it, it was bad. Like it, it was a really bad break. And um, I probably should have went to the hospital, honestly, so bad. But it, it it just goes to show that like if an actor or someone is dedicated enough to be breaking ribs, breaking fingers, hands, whatever, keeps pushing, keeps working through it. Like that's that's pretty amazing. Like that's. I mean, I, I'm impressed. That's a dedication that. to that, the craft. That's dedication, and not only to the to, to the craft, but also it just kind of goes to show, like you said, his physical prowess, and I, that's amazing. I and again makes me want to watch it even more because I'm just like, this is crazy. But when you're shooting a movie in that style, it, I, I I'd find it'd be so hard to choreograph everything and get it right right when you need it with there's so much action like that happening at one time and that just but again that just shows you know how how talented he is not only as a as an actor but also as you know doing the stunts and you know the the martial arts and all this i mean it's it's incredible so i'm excited to see more of that because i recently saw uh, not to get like too far off track here, but I recently watched the the GI Joe movie, the this uh, the Snake Eyes movie. Oh, the one and, that was just out, right? Yeah, yeah. In in some of the the fight choreography in that movie was amazing, so so good. And you know, some of the fight choreography in like Mortal Kombat was amazing. And I'm like, I'm hoping to see some of that level of you know battle and fight in you know, the uh, Prisoners of Ghostland film, but with some, like, I'm expecting some really over-the-top gore and special effects mixed in oh, with yeah. it. Cause 
where you do get some of that with some of these other movies, but I'm expecting some like real sloppy, nasty stuff that you expect out of some of these goopy goodness, you know, some of the real goopy stuff. Um, and some of it's, you know, really comical at times. I mean, you watch a movie like Mandy, dude, that chainsaw sword fight. And when the one, uh, follower falls on top of it and all that blood's geysering out. (laughs) Okay. So I saw behind the scenes photo and videos of that. They had, I, if I remember correctly, two or four kegs, like kegs filled with blood with multiple tubes running to the blood rig to spray the blood for that. Oh, I don't doubt it. Of blood. I've never seen anything like that. I've seen garden pumps. I've, I use a fire extinguisher for my stuff. And I've, I've seen, seen it in action. Yes. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen them use, you know, pancake um, compressors. I've seen them use regular air compressors, but kegs. Oh my God, that is outrageous. And even when he like, when he chops off the black skull's head or when he slices the one's throat with the, uh, with the box cutter, it's just like, it's nasty. You know, that the head crunching, the shoving the beast down the dude's throat. I mean, you just, you are seeing some seriously nasty stuff and it looks amazing. And I'm just hoping that they have the same, with it being the same production company, it, it's not hard to believe that they wouldn't hire the same special effects uh, artists and team or studio to do it. So I, I really do have high hopes that we're going to get to see some pretty awesome special effects with it as well. And I'm just greedy for that because it, it's what I'm into. But I, I know there's plenty of people <laughs> who are into that as well. So I'm just fingers crossed on that. Uh, it's not being greedy. You just know what you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm just like, give me more of that. Because as much as I loved, you know, like the color out of space, some crazy special effects in that. But there was also a lot of digital stuff that kind of bugged me a little bit. Um, but like, um, I keep going back to Mandy just because it's, you know, a perfect movie. But I mean, it, it was pretty gory. But again, I feel like they could have even pushed it farther and I would have been totally cool with it, you know, and I'm just like, come on, give me more. I want more. And I feel like, you know, this is just going to be one of those ones. I don't think it's going to be a slow burn. It's an hour and 40 minutes. I'm pretty sure the action is going to kick up almost immediately, you know, within the first yeah. 10 to 20 minutes. And then we make point, we may get like a few moments to take a breath every once in a while, but I'm oh, pretty sure, sure it's going to be the kind of movie that's never going to let up. Yeah, it, it's going to be a lot, and it, I think it's going to be an assault on the senses, but in the best possible way, giving us all of the gory goodness, all of the action. Uh, I, there's fun dialogue there. I mean, God, when he uh, reveals that he has those explosives on his crotch, <laughs> seriously, like, I mean, it's just like real. <laughs> that, that, that level of kind of goofy comedy that we've kind of come to expect out of some of these uh, projects as well. Uh, Nicholas Cage kinda, just saying the term "I am radioactive," <laughs> you know, just like I don't even know what context oh, yeah. that that is even going to be. Is he really radioactive, metaphorically speaking, or oh, uh, I hope you know, he Phyllis? Is for real? Yeah, I really I, do. <laughs> like, that's just, again, it just it adds to that kind of like like you had mentioned that kind of Gonzo or uh, uh, Grindhouse feel to it with that kind of just ridiculous comedy and i kind of attribute stuff like that to movies like uh like turbo kid 
I love Turbo Kid. Yes. I thought the oh, movie love was Turbo a, Kid. a ton of fun. Uh, movies we, like we reviewed that on one of my uh, my past shows. Yeah, I love I love Turbo. Good. Kid. It was it was so good. You know, movies like that or uh, Psycho Gore Man, which I wanted to love, but I actually didn't love it as much as I wanted to. It was good, but that kind of just dark comedy. You know, and for example, Psycho Gore Man, when the kid's like. Uh, well, it was nice meeting you. And, and PG's like, it'd be better if you were dead. And he's like, okay, bye. And like, <laughs> right, that right. Cracked me the hell up. And it's like, I feel like we're going to get that type of comedy in there. And, and, and again, that is, that is my comedy. That is the stuff that cracks me up because it's, they're like borderline anti jokes. And I just, I, I live for that. And I, I just think this this movie's going to be the whole package. I really do think so, and I'm just excited to experience it. And uh, yeah. I will cry in my car afterward if it is anything less than perfection. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say I, I I'm I'm going to cry to myself in my sleep if I uh, cry myself to sleep if uh, it's anything less than a ten out of ten because it, it, unless the trailer is just showing us every every good part of it it looks like it's going to be one hell of a roller coaster ride that's for sure oh for sure and you know what even if it, the trailer is showing a lot of the action i still feel like you know cuz that was kind of my complaint with mandy a little bit is the trailer shows you a lot but the trailer also like it showed you these awesome shots and a lot of awesome scenes, but you didn't get the full context or the full picture. And then when you see the movie, it's like, oh, shit, there was a lot more to this than what I was expecting. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the chainsaw sword fight, you know, him forging the axe and him talk, going and talking to his friend and, you know, uh, some of the, the fights and stuff like they, they showed quite a bit. But it's like, even still, you didn't even get the full picture for any of that. And I just, again, I just don't see this movie being in that same slow burn to build up a relationship, tear it apart, and then throw this person into madness. I feel like it's already going to be there, almost like Turbo Kid, where they just drop you right in the action. They're like, hey... This is the story. This is what's going on. Here we this go. Is, yeah, this is the world we live in, and go. Pretty much, and and I'm I'm totally down for that. Again, I'm not hard to please with stories. Um, I like slow burns, but I like movies that drop you right in it and take right off. I mean, uh, I feel like I'm very easy to please in that department. Um, just as far as how well structured it's going to be, how well made it is. I mean, it looks fantastic. I mean, some of the set design. I mean, the world looks. It, everything looks larger than life. In the movie, yeah. I mean, some of these fight scenes, the areas they take place in and these like they look like old school, like Japanese, like villages with all the like neon lights and like they're made into like these giant Mad Max style compounds. And I'm like, what's like a little budget on this movie? Because, I mean, everything is huge. Well, you know, I feel like it, it's a you know it, it, that's why it's it's going to be interesting to watch, I think, because it's got a you know, it's a little bit of Mad Max. It's a little bit of Japanese opera, you know. It's a little, oh yeah, little bit of.
post-apocalyptic madness. It's a, even got a touch of like Blade Runner type stuff to it and oh, an yeah. Escape from New York. It's just, ah, uh, it just seems like it's going to be such a rich, you know, meaty film, you know, so yeah. mm. it, I can hardly wait the, the next two and a half weeks for it to come out. <laughs> I know. It, it, you can definitely tell the director and the producers and the writer, you know, all together are like, we're all fans of these movies. How can we take everything we love and then put it into one thing? And they did it. And it looks like it was done successfully without coming off, you know, like it's too much. Like, oh, God, you tried to put way too much in that movie. I mean, it, it, it feels very well balanced. And uh, yes. that's what has been really impressing me the most about it. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely say uh, most looked forward to movie of, of the year. Uh, you know, not the new, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong, not the new Fast and the Furious. No, this is my most look, you know, most anticipated movie of the year. It's definitely, I think it is in my top, uh, I would say it's in my top five. I mean, easily. I mean, I already saw Candyman, and Candyman was fantastic. Um, I agree. I liked Candyman. I like Candyman a lot. Genuinely surprised by how many people did not like it. I thought it was a fantastic sequel uh, while remaining its own film and not. I mean, the biggest complaint I would have had about that movie is the, the, the third act felt a tiny bit rushed. Yeah, the last 20 minutes kind of go off the rails a little bit, but... But I feel like it's also a movie that there's a lot between the lines that it bears that you need to give it a second viewing to really fully appreciate it. Totally. But it's beautifully shot, Uh, and the sound design is so good, and the way they use reflections and mirrors and to, to show everything is just... Very expertly uh, directed. Nia DaCosta is, is a force to be reckoned with. Well, and I, I guess I guess Marvel just hired her to do something. So I'm like, hell yeah, she's moving up in the world. That's what I like to see. Yeah. And I, I think she is going to go on to do amazing things. And I'm very excited to follow her career because she is she is immensely talented and she had an incredible team with her. And I'm I'm glad that the movie made as much money as it did its opening weekend. It almost made its money back. It was made with $25 million and it made over 22 So that's impressive, especially in these COVID times where everyone's watching things at home and not going to the theaters as much. Uh, right, right. Yeah, that's between, pretty amazing. Between that, you know, the, the Prisoners of Ghostland, um, also uh, the new Resident Evil movie. Uh, I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, so now that they're making movies that are based more on the games, super stoked for that. Um, you know, so it's there. There's a lot of good stuff coming out. I'm I'm excited for Halloween Kills. I didn't love the 2018 Halloween, but I feel like Halloween Kills is going to be a step in the right direction. It, or at least it looks like it is. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, Last night in Soho looks spectacular i love edgar wright and i think this movie looks again stylistically it's exactly what i expect out of my movie. i have yet to see the trailer for that i, 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 have, to, I have to check that out you definitely got to check that out it looks i'll really queue it up on my youtube weird. here to watch right after we get off the yes, air please do so yeah it's it, there's a lot of good stuff coming out and uh i'm just glad we are getting the content we are and i'm glad we are getting the nick cage that we are because we're in peak Nick Cage territory here and I hope he continues to do what he's doing but something I really want to see out of him in the future 
is I want to see him producing more and I want to see him maybe direct a little bit because he he's shown that the stuff he's produced has been fantastic, especially in recent years. I'd love to see him direct something of his own, truly. Maybe take that ghost story he was writing or that horror story and turn it into a movie. I mean, I, I don't know, but I feel like he definitely has an eye for that sort of thing, and I think he would really knock it out of the park. Well, I know he directed one movie, which I have not actually ever seen. It Did was he called really? Sunny. It was just called Sunny. I, I've seen a trailer for it. It came out in, like, oh, I'm going to say 99 or 2000. I'd have to look it up to be sure. But, uh, yeah, it was his one foray into directing. I would love to, love to see it or at least see more of it. 2002. I, wow. Okay. I'm definitely going to have to give that a go. Because, <laughs> like I said, like I want to see him direct. But, if, I mean, I, I did not know he had done the one movie. Because, uh, again... My, uh, I, growing up, uh, I didn't know his, um, filmography went as far back in the eighties as it did. Cause I've seen mostly stuff from the mid nineties up till now. And even then I haven't seen everything that he's been in. Cause he's been in so much stuff. Well, he's and, done over a hundred films, you know? So, I mean, yeah. I, I, and if you're, if you're like me, you probably get into the point where you start you watch the same films over and over again, you know, like, hey, I'm going to watch, you know, Sleepaway Camp 3 for the, you know, the 15th time, you know. Yes. But <laughs> I, I know I've watched Reanimator earlier this week, but I think I'm going to do it again just because. Yeah. And, and again, it's like. The comfort food movies. Think about how many movies come out in a year, like between micro budget stuff that you and I work on all the way up to huge studio productions. There's so much media out there that it's like, how do you even begin to consume all of it? And when I was younger, I was just trying to consume everything I could. And and I didn't have an appreciation for some of the like drama eat kind of stuff Nick Cage was doing in like the early 2000s. Uh, and so it's like I wasn't watching that stuff. So, you know, movies like, you know, uh, Adaptation or uh, Matchstick Men or Lord of War and like all this stuff that it's like, uh, it was all stuff that I didn't see for the longest time because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like this because it's not a horror movie. No one gets their head chopped off. Why am I going to watch it? Right. Uh, you know, but, <laughs> I, I went through a period like that myself. You know, but now it's like I have such an appreciation for stuff like that. I, I, I'd argue the movie Parasite from 2019 is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's like, I mean, it has a little bit of gore in it, but it's like, it's definitely like a dramedy a drama comedy oh but, yeah definitely but it, it has that you know i also like movies that have a lot of social commentary and i think that's why i liked Candyman so much but that's also why i like parasite that's why i like george romero movies yeah parasite know, was a movie that took me by complete surprise absolutely like i went into not, it the, you know not knowing what to expect and it just just completely blew me away yeah and that's how i i feel about you know a lot of movies nowadays is they, they play them out like they're going to be something, and they, they always take you by surprise a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that with, with some of these movies coming out. But, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him maybe get back into directing a little bit, do some more stuff behind the camera, because he's shown that he's very capable uh, as a producer. And uh, some of the movies he has uh, 
taking place as a producer on have been fantastic. I mean, very, very fantastic film. So I'd like to see more of that in the future. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see it, it are the movies he directs or writes. Could they be as crazy as him when he is acting? <laughs> you know, could, you, could you could only that? hope you could only hope with you him know, at the helm so. that they would have that same kind of want to say psychotic kind of flair to him. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> Same here, same here. Well, before we sign off for the afternoon, do you have anything new coming up? I know you got a screening coming up here very soon. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we oh, put a man. pin in this? I'm going to be honest with you. We're starting to get into the slow season for uh, for working on movies. I just finished up production on uh, a movie called Window with a View. We were shooting it down in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, I have a... Um, I have the movie They See You that I did back in March is making its premiere this October at the Fright Night Film Fest in Louisville, Kentucky. That's going to be in October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, which I know I've talked uh, about quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm also going to be uh, Rebecca Herb, uh, Tony Walters, and Red Entertainment are uh, shooting a movie, and it sounds like November, called Breaking Point. I'm going to be acting in that movie as well ah. as doing the special effects so i'm very i'm really looking forward to that project as well as uh jason crow who's a uh pretty well-known independent actor oh yeah i love jason especially jason. the midwest you know jason's one of my favorite people ever i love working with him he's good he, people he along with uh ronnie jonah are doing a movie called uh it's currently titled zombie movie and uh i'm going to be doing special effects on that uh, it, it, throughout the month of October, uh, but I can't say a whole lot about that at the the moment because it, it's. I read the script and and I definitely don't want to spoil anything. Plus, I know they are keeping it kind of on the DL, but um, definitely looking forward to doing that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I love zombies. Any opportunity I get to make some zombies, it's it's a good day. So <laughs> yeah, so man after my own heart, right there. Oh yeah, good stuff. It won't be like, you know, I'm not going to be doing no Land of the Dead zombies, but, you know, creepy. Uh, uh, what was it? What did we talk about in the uh, in that uh, episode of uh, oh, um, people think the, the priest zombie with a wonky head, you know, none of that. Right. We're yeah. Now the, the wonky headgear stuff, but it's uh, it's going to be fun. No, I'm definitely looking forward to some of that. So. Yeah, well, good. I'll be looking forward to, to seeing that. I, I know they see you as one that uh, once I saw the trailer, that's another one, much like Prisoners of the Ghostland, that I'm like, I'm sold. I was completely sold on oh, the trailer. The trailer is fantastic. I think that is one of uh, Roman's best trailers that he has cut. Um, I may or may not have seen a couple scenes from the movie. And uh, I'm telling you right now, if you are a fan of Demon Knight, uh, Monster Squad, or... I'm wearing a Monster Squad t-shirt as we speak, dude. Dude, I'm psychic. Yeah. What can I say? I, I knew it. I just knew it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, man, if you're a fan of those movies, I, I really think you're going to love it. Because it is the perfect blend of, like, the dark horror stuff. Because there is some very uh, intense kills in that movie. And some very impactful deaths. But man, we we turn it right around with some great comedy. It's it's really well balanced, and I I, I want to compare it to like It Chapter One with the good balance of of comedy and horror. But you'll just have to see for yourself.
Well, so. that being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one because we covered a lot of territory for our, you know, premiere episode. I want to end things off with a, uh, a little uh, quote. When I die, bury me deep, lay two speakers at my feet, put some headphones upon my head, and rock and roll me when I'm dead. Ah, oh, good stuff. Yeah. They just give me chills. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, you have been listening to the first episode of Brilliantly Insane uh, at the Age of Cage, a Nick Cage podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Did you, ever, did you ever drink beer in high school? Uh, no, not beer, but I do remember having a bag of mushrooms in my refrigerator. <laughs> and I remember you, you mentioned your dog. Yeah. I had a cat, and uh, my cat used to sneak into the refrigerator and he would steal the mushrooms. <laughs> and I, I said, no, and his name was Lewis. I said, Lewis, you can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. It's not right. <laughs> he ate them voraciously. He just loved them. It was like catnip to him. Uh, so, I, so I thought, well, what the heck? I better do it with him. And... <laughs> I remember lying in my bed for hours, <laughs> and Lewis was on the desk across from the bed for hours, staring at each other, <laughs> not moving. Occasionally, he'd go, Meow. but he would stare at me, and I had no doubt that he was my brother. <laughs>